The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. I'm your host, Wim Lou, and for the first segment here, I'm joined by Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, obviously, we're going to touch on the game last night. And, uh, of course, we're going to look ahead to Friday's game. You know, the little uh, mini sort of uh, back-to-back here uh, with the Raptors and the Sixers. Um, Yeah, just wanted to start with the game last night, though. 119-109 Raptors. Uh, I was reading your piece. The first line you wrote was, at times, it was as if the Toronto Raptors were playing five on zero. Keith, what do you mean by that? I mean, you saw the game. Uh, (laughs) uh, no, it, it just seemed like uh, the Sixers' perimeter defense and half court defense just was missing last night. I mean, you look at the game, it was, you know, one of those things they were getting as many transition baskets as they would like. Um, it was also where, you know, we saw in quarters where um, Pascal Siakam just destroyed everyone, mm. and then Gary Trent Jr. basically was killing them in the third quarter. So when the Sixers shot the ball extremely well, but they just couldn't make any defensive stops. And um, it, it was just a bad defensive game for the 76ers. So that's why I said that it kind of looked like it was a scrimmage at time. It looked like mm. they were just running skeleton drills at time. Yeah, well, you, you got a quote in there from Joel Embiid last night. You know, one of the main things, we just haven't been able to guard the ball, and that's causing a lot of rotations and wide-open shots. We just got to make sure all of us to keep the ball in front of us. Do you feel like Embiid... I mean, look, obviously the Sixers aren't loaded with perimeter stoppers. They really rely on Embiid to fix a lot of problems. To me, that quote sounds like Embiid saying, like, you can't ask me to clean up all your messes. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's saying that. I, I think that um, the one thing I will say about Embiid is that he's brutally honest. Like, a lot of times after games, you ask a guy a question, they all say communication. Mm. We got to communicate yeah, better. Yeah. And he's like, nah, this is what happened. You know, I, I think that right now, it you know, they have a lot of different guys coming in. And, you know, when you when we be honest, if you're going to be honest with yourself, we look at this 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 backcourt, starting backcourt, where you have James Harris, excuse me, James Harden, and, and you have um, um, Tyrese Maxey. They're great scorers, but they're not really known for def- defense. Mm. So what has to happen is the, the guys have to rotate. They have to do a lot of switches. And they're just not coming around quickly. And I, you know, I, I think some people may, if you didn't, if you're not familiar with the Sixers, you may think that Joel Embiid is kind of mm-hmm. saying that. But deep down is, but but really, what's happening is these guys just aren't making the rotations that they should make, and that's part of the game that they have to have to do. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, that's a good point actually, because I think. For the national media or if people outside of Philly looking in who don't really see all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you just see Embiid being blunt, and you might think, well, damn, that sounds really rude. But I think he's actually just, as you're, as you're making, pointing out here, he is really just, like, to the point. I like that, actually, as, as media members. I think it's way easier for us to sort of do our jobs when they clearly express what's going on. Right? Exactly. Because, like, you know, you get tired of, like, you saw the game yesterday. You were there. You were in the yeah. building. And there were certain guys talking about, well, we just got to communicate better. And it's like... Nah, bro. <laughs> like, nah, it's, it's bigger than communication. Uh-huh. So, and you know, and and you always hear that. So, when when Joel says something like that, it is refreshing. Now, sometimes 
Joel will say something and people get offended by it. But mm. he's one of those guys, he's always says, well, you know, why y'all ask that question? Because you know I don't lie. So, you know, he, he was fair. being real. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's, 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 that's really nice. Um, all right, so the, the, the defensive effort. I mean, you got to think they come back a little stronger on Friday. I mean, I, I'm, not sh- I'm sure the Sixers probably went through some sort of light practice today. Uh, no, no, they're not doing practice. Nah, today. They, they, not not they, for they, that game, really. Yeah, they did film study. Yeah, film study. Okay, yeah, they don't practice a lot. Really? Okay. Well, I, I guess that's a doc thing, right? Yeah. It's yeah. A doc thing, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure in film study, they, the the point of emphasis has got to be things like getting back on defense and transition because that defensive effort, like obviously Philly, they got 70 points combined from maybe 80 points combined from Embiid, Maxi, and Harden. 80 points. 80 points, and they really weren't in the game. Nah, they weren't. And and the, and the problem is, see, here's the thing with the defense. Like, okay, well, let, let's talk about Boston. They play Boston. They have, you know, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. Both of those guys had 35 points. So they had 70 points against them. Mm. I mean, you look at when they played the Spurs, the the young Spurs, guys were getting buckets left and right. Right. So And that's not know, even a team with bucket getters. Nah, it's, it's, it's a young team, a, a young team that has five 19-year-olds on there, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I think right now, you know, the 76ers are just, that's just one of their major weaknesses. Again, and it's, it's nothing against James Harden. It's nothing against um, Tyrese Maxey. It's just not their game. You know, you look at it right now. A year ago or two years ago, they had Matisse Thibel, who was in the rotation. He didn't get a tick last night. He mm-hmm. didn't play at all. And then you had Ben Simmons. So what that did is when you had those two guys patrolling up top, and then you had uh, you had Joel Embiid in the back. It, it it was a great defensive team. Even Danny Green, like you yeah, know, yeah. Danny Green is a great defender, right? A, a above average defender at this a, stage of his career. So when you have that, and then you look at the 76ers roster right now, you know you have PJ Tucker, you have Tobias Harris, and I, I feel like you know PJ, they're asking him to do a lot um, playing the three when he's to me, more like a four. Yeah. So they have they have a lot of people out of position. Now, again, maybe the defense shows up, but it just seems like um, the rotations have been this way through all five games. And, and in regards to they don't build that wall on transition D. So it, it to me, is saying a lot for them to, like, correct that after one day mm-hmm. when you have a guy like Pascal. Right, right. And listen, Pascal played great, I think, Game plan, I think, at the start was pretty clear. They're going to play off of him, right, make him shoot jumpers. But I just thought there was no pressure on the ball. Like, there's there's a difference between, like, we're going to play off him, let him shoot, and cut him off and build that wall. And there's a difference between what P.J. was doing, which was just, like, sagging back, not even really contesting, barely getting a shot, a hand up. And, like, I, I haven't seen Pascal have one of these games where it's, like, yeah, 20 points, yeah, 13 assists, nine in the second half. But... Usually what Pascal does is he gets in that office in that, that elbow area and then he breaks his guy down, gets to the paint, scores. He's got a decent little mid-range game as well. But for him to just burn the Sixers entirely on jumpers, it felt like Doc, maybe halfway through that game, even just completely shifted the way they guarded him. What did you make of Philadelphia's plan against uh, Pascal last night? You know, uh, you know it, it, that first quarter, it, it was like not just him, it was everyone. I mean, yeah, when yeah. you look at it, you know, they the, the first three made three-pointers were wide open. And I mean wide open. You yeah. know, they were just like, whoa. Um, I, I felt like, you know, Pascal, you know, he missed some shots after the first quarter that made the defense seem like they did a better job. 
But I, I just think that his athleticism, his length, was just too much for anybody to guard. They just don't have anyone. Maybe you can say Joel can stay in front of them, but I think athletically the guys they had, they just didn't have one. So I don't think they did a pretty good job. Now, the, the thing is, what the Sixers could do, and I know you didn't ask me this, but what they could do is, is like, you know, they could probably um, make some adjustments to the rotation. Okay, like, what do you like, mean by that? Uh, what I mean is they got a guy in, in Matisse Thibel mm-hmm. who is a, a two-time second-team all-defensive player, um, but he didn't play at all. He's not in the rotation. And then you have another guy, um, you know, DeAnthony Melton, who is a quality def- a quality 3 and D guy, you know, maybe you might have to give him a little bit more minutes and then play Matisse that, you know, to combat some of those things that, that uh, Toronto was able to do. But the thing about Toronto, I will say this, you know, they're long, they're athletic. You know, it, it's funny, when, when Pascal kind of slowed down a little bit, then Gary Trent took off in the third yep. quarter. Yep. You know what I mean? And then Fred, my man Fred, who I mispronounced his name last time. Oh, we'll, we'll get right. to that clip. Don't worry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, my, uh, yeah, I love you, Fred. But my man Fred, you know, is, is is one of those things where, you know, then all of a sudden you get him in space and then he's doing whatever he wants. So yeah. I just feel like the Raptors, especially for this group of Sixers, they're just a bad matchup. They're young, they're long, and they're athletic. Yeah, and they shared the ball last night, too. It's like 32 assists for the team. Obviously, that you're going to have a lot of assists when you really knock down threes, but as you mentioned, a lot of those were open. Uh, all five Raptors, is, you know, 15 points or more. That's actually not even in a regularity. That happens actually quite often for this team. So guys really know how to play with each other. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think I know for the Raptors, the mood within their locker room is very strong. They feel very positive. Pascal has really come into this season really rejuvenated. He's averaging close to a triple-double and, you know, Guys are feeling pretty good. I was I was curious, like, what's been the mood in the locker room for for Philly early this season? Is there any panic at all? Because you know this is a bit of a disappointing start. Well, you know, I, I would say they're a little they're disappointed. You can tell that they're disappointed, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they kind of knew that this was going to be tough. Really? Like, yeah, oh yeah, because so when you look at it, so therefore you you have you're bringing in um, a new starter who basically had a, a knee surgery, off, you know, arthroscopic knee surgery in the offseason, and, and that's P.J. Tucker. You're asking him to play the three. And then your first three guys off the bench are also new, right? Mm-hmm. So you have James Harden, and you're asking him to play a completely different way. You want him and Joel Embiid to be the focal points. So when you talk about it, you look at it, they open up against Boston, who is favorite to win the East. Yep. Then you have Milwaukee, right? Yep. Now then you That was have, a winnable game, though. Milwaukee was not playing yeah, at their best yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, that was a winnable game. That was a winnable game. But then after that, you look at it, so you have supposedly two bye weeks or two two uh, confidence boost games. And, and the one game that really got away from them was the Spurs game. Mm, and then yeah. you come to Toronto, and, and, and Toronto, let's face it, you know, the Raptors is like a little rival of the Sixers. There's a rivalry there. A little bit. You know, a little bit. Um, and, and then after that, you go on to Chicago. So, mm-hmm. you know, they knew it was going to be bad. Now, did they know the defense was going to be this bad? No. Yeah. But but I, I think that there's a lot of disappointment. People in Philly are upset. Uh, the players are upset. But but I think it's one of those things when you have four new players in a, in a nine-man rotation is one of those things where you're saying to yourself, let's give it a little bit of time. Now, right, right. if they would have played, let's say, 
the Sacramento Kings or, or Orlando twice, and they would have squeaked by, you know, people would say, hey, you know what? They're winning. They're winning. It's going to take um, mm-hmm. some time for them to, to get this together. But I, I do believe that if, if they continue to lose, and they and I think they play on November the 12th, they'll play Atlanta for the second time. I think if they're continuing to struggle by that point, oh, it's going to be all-out panic at that point. Yeah, well, I was going to say the mood in Philly has got to be really good right now. I mean, yeah, Philly's, in, the, yeah, you know, Philly's yeah. in the World Series. Have the Eagles lost yet this season? Nah, they haven't. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. you know, there's other things Price to distract good. them a little bit. But, yeah. you know, it'll come around for the Sixers, and um, yeah, hopefully by that point they're okay. I mean, look, um, I, I had a couple more questions just about this team. So that that perimeter defense, right? And I'm thinking about in order to win the Eastern Conference, which I think has to be one of the expectations for this team. Not saying that they're guaranteed to win it, but when you have the kind of talent that they do, you expect to at least contend for the championship. But if you're going to come out of the Eastern Conference, you got these type of wings that you need to have somebody guard. Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant. And I might be even leaving out a couple guys. So who is that guy for for Philly? Matisse Thibel. Matisse? But he's but he's got to he play, like, play. That's what I'm saying. I was gonna but say he's that guy. But he's, can you win with 40 minutes of Matisse or even 35 minutes of Matisse? You know, it's you know he it, does give a you know you don't have to really guard him on the three point. Yeah, line. you don't. But but if you're asking me who that guy is on that roster, that's him right now. Okay, you know what I mean. Now here's the thing about Matisse. You know, Matisse worked hard this off season on his jumper. Um, everyone was praising uh, you know all the work that he's put in. But he hasn't been playing. Like he's played right. uh, less than six minutes, fewer than six minutes this season. Are you right? serious? That's wow. it. Wow. Yeah, that's it. So, but but right now, I also believe that when we look at this Sixers team right now, I, there, there's going to have to be some changes, and, and with the ro- roster. Now they only have, you know, you're allowed to carry 15 full-time, you know, regular NBA players on your roster. They only have 14, so that's telling me that they're looking to add someone, maybe via trade or or picking someone up, right? Mm, so yeah. um, I, I think that we'll probably get that person. Now, again, like right now, if it's not Matisse, you know, I, w- I would have to say that, you know, De'Anthony Melton is going to have to be a guy that's going to play because okay. to me, you look at him as the second best, um, you know, 3 and D guy. Now, in a perfect world, it would be P.J. Tucker, but but I don't know, you know, yeah. at this stage, you know, because he's getting a little bit older. Sure. And, and I also think that, you know, right now in this stage of his career, he's better utilized guarding a perimeter. I mean, not, excuse me, not a perimeter player, like a post player. Right, right, You know, right. bodying somebody up. Um, but it's going to have to be Matisse, and then after that, it's going to have to be De'Anthony Melton. Outside of that, they don't have anybody on that mm-hmm. roster right now. So, I mean, it, it, it might just be the offense, but why is specifically Doc only – using Matisse in very, very small doses right now? Well, I asked him after the game, and, and I said, look, Doc, is it time to play him? He says, well, we, we, we've been considering it. I think that he really wants to give the newcomers they came, give okay. them an opportunity and a chance to show what they could do. Mm. You know, like sometimes you have a guy, you know, let's face it, these new, like they brought in Daniel House, Melton, P.J. Tucker, um, and they were all supposed to come in and provide 3D depth. That's something the Sixers didn't really have last year. Yeah, definitely. So it's one of those things where, you know, okay, they have one bad game. All right, well, then then they played okay the next, and then the next one's bad. Am I going to am I going to like basically uh, cut their minutes? No, I'm gonna let them play through it. Mm-hmm. But I think as this time is a, these games are accumulating, 
you know, then after a while, you're going to have to reevaluate some things. Right, right. And and you know what? Right now, pressure-wise, like, you know, when you think about the national media, everyone's focused on Brooklyn because mm-hmm. they're a mess. <laughs> you know, Ben Simmons fouling out every game. Steve Nash getting ejected. I've never seen Steve Nash pressed in my life before. Uh, watching him play like 15, 16 years in the league, and all of a sudden he's getting ejected. Um, and obviously the Lakers, right? Everyone's looking at the Lakers. But, you know, eventually people are going to get a little tired of that storyline of the Sixers continue to struggle. They'll probably look at the Sixers a little bit too. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, for themselves, though, obviously Daryl Morey is a very ambitious guy, right? He's very accomplished, but the one thing he doesn't have is that title. What, what's the internal expectations for this team? Well, you know, in, in, well, internal, of, of course, they, they expect to win a championship. I mean, there's been a lot of hype with this team okay. about how they were going to go win a title, right? A lot of hype. I mean, it was a lot of self-promotion and, and, and things like that. But, but I think the external expectation is greater than, than, what, um, than, than what they have. Because the people in Philadelphia, when you look at Daryl Moore and you look at Doc Rivers, right? I mean, we all remember the Kawhi shot, right? Mm-hmm. They, the Sixers lost in the second round. People were upset. They were saying that if Brett Brown didn't win that game, he should have been fired. Yep. But the way the game ended, yep. it was kind of like, can I fire this coach like that? I mean, right? You yeah. can't, right? So a year later, he, he struggles to get out of the first round. They let him go. You bring in Daryl Morey, one of the most recognizable front office executives in any sport. Yep. And then you bring in Doc Rivers, who's regarded, who's ranked, who has, you know, one of the top 10 coaches all time. He has the ninth most wins in the NBA. And if they can't get out of the second round, I mean, it's it's going to be bad. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, yes, they have expectations that they got a champion. They, they have a roster who who can win a, win a title. It hasn't looked that way thus far. But I think that if if they struggle to get out of the second round or don't get to the – at least don't get to the NBA finals, there's going to be a lot of outside pressure on them. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I, I think people already discussed Doc's job a little bit. Um, and I, I think the the one storyline, I'm curious, just as someone on the complete outside asking a Sixers insider, like, is there any chance that Embiid's not happy or any chance he might want to move or anything like that? Or, or is that still too much down the line? I think it's still early right now. Okay. But, right. But, but, I, but I do believe that we got to see on how this whole thing plays out. Yeah. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is, you know, because Embiid, let's face it, the 76ers became his team. Yep, yep. He used to have to, like, tussle a little bit with Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's his team. I feel like if they start struggling and we don't get to see Embiid playing the role that he normally plays, I w- you know, it, it wouldn't surprise. I'm not saying he's going to do it, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if he was, like, you know, behind closed doors, like, can y'all get me to Miami? Uh, can you get me to New York? Can you get me to yeah. L.A.? You know, because... You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, right now in the Sixers kind of, and I hate using this cliche, but they put all their chips in the table on these guys. Yeah. And uh, if if it doesn't work out, they're not getting any younger. No, that's true. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a team we're going to be hearing from quite a bit. Well, listen, um, to, to go back in, in memory lane a little bit too, because, you know, the Raptors and Sixers, um, you know, they had that little history, obviously, playing each other in the playoffs, obviously, last year as well, but, you know, a couple years ago as well. But they also have some history in terms of just, like, Potential trade discussions, right? Like, you know, the Raptors were in on that Ben Simmons situation. I don't think they were as close to getting Ben as obviously some other teams, but I kind of wanted to sort of revisit that that situation. Like, how close were the Raptors to getting a Ben Simmons? Or uh, how serious do you think they were interested? No, nah, I mean, 
I, I think the Raptors were interested, but I don't think the Sixers were really, um, you know, trying to. I think the Sixers were asking for too much, knowing that the Raptors were going to give it to them. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, hey, man, I really like your sneakers. All right. I'll give them to you for like $30,000. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, okay. nah, bro. Like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to have to run the clip. Derek. You know, because I, I believe these were the specific terms at that time. In order for Toronto to get Ben Simmons, a package that included Ben Simmons, they wanted Fred Flanvey, OG Ovenovi, Kyle Lowry, and a number four pick in the draft. All right, so, Keith, first off, that, that clip is hilarious. Everyone knows that, you know, you do great reporting and all that stuff. But I think Raptor fans had a joke about it. And when we sort of announced that we're going to have you on, people were sort of reminding us of that. Um... What, what, what do you want to say about that clip? Me no habla inglés. Like, nah, nah, nah. nah, you know what? Yeah. It, it was a, I, I butchered my man's name up in it, and I felt really bad after it yeah, came yeah. out. And, you know, I'm not going to say things happen because I need to do a better job of that, but but I felt extremely uh, bad about it because I was like, dang, I, I can't believe I did it. So, mm. you know what I mean? It is right. what it is, and... And y'all had to remind me of. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. It's all good. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, man. No, it's you, all good. You really took it's the time out of your day. It's an off day. Yeah, you know, man. We, we got 25 minutes to talk Sixers. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, it's just interesting because, like, as you mentioned, that is essentially like give me thirty thousand dollars for your shoes. Because, like, in, in, I, I don't think individually, the fourth overall pick, which became Scotty Barnes, the Raptors wouldn't do that for Ben Simmons. They probably wouldn't do Fred straight up for Ben Simmons right now with the way he's playing. I don't even know if they would do OG for Ben Simmons. Like, that's obviously closer. But I think ultimately the Raptors are saying, no, Ben's just too much of a risk. And you look at sort of how that situation is about. It's really sad to see, man. But I think the other thing, too, is just like, in, speaking about Kyle, there was a time where the Raptors obviously were trying to decide whether we move Kyle or not when they were in Tampa. And there were discussions with Philly as well. So I, I just want to ask you, like, how close was Philly uh, or how, how close was Kyle Lowry, you know, to a move that would bring him back to his hometown of Philly? You know, I, I think ultimately Kyle is where he wanted to be. I mean, okay. when you think, yeah, I think he wanted to go to Miami. Um, I, I think the Philadelphia was an option for him. Mm. But it, it's kind of like when you look at Miami, it, it's one of those things. It's a tax-free state. Right. Um, it's, it's beautiful weather, and and I guess he looked at it as it's one of those things that they have a, a opportunity to win a championship. You know, but the thing is, sometimes now again, Philadelphia would have been good for him. But but at the same time, it, it's one of those things where sometimes you get what you really want when there's some other teams. You oh, know okay. What I mean? there. Right. Now I'm I not saying you. he used the you. Sixers, but but I think that kind of helped his cause. I mean, because you think about this, think about how the New Orleans Pelicans, at, I believe it was the Pelicans, at one point they cleared up all this space, and all these people were thinking, "Oh wow, yeah. they're doing that for Kyle, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything together, and then all of a sudden. The money that he wanted, and everybody was saying, "There's no way in heck somebody's going to pay a guy that's that a lot of money, man. a lot of money." He got paid, right? Yeah. So, so I think, yeah. But the Sixers, yeah, they it was an option. I mean, because when you look at Kyle, I also think Kyle would have been a great fit for the Sixers. I agree because they need a point guard. He's a you know Philly guy, tough minded. Like I've known Kyle since he was in high school. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's I I know his personality, and it would have been great for the team. But I think. You know, he has a, a great relationship with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, and it's Miami, man. I, you know, It's, it's hard Miami. to compete, man. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. Well, I mean, listen, before we get you up, uh, since you've known Kyle for so long, man, you got a favorite Kyle memory? Kyle's, Kyle's story? 
maybe one that you know a lot of people here haven't heard necessarily because you know like Raptor fans like you know we 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 love Kyle like we we talk about him as the greatest rapper of all time so the greatest rapper of all time. Raptor. Yeah. Oh, Raptor. Oh, oh I'm no, about to say, no, no, no. Like, we don't love him that about? much, man. No, nah, so on, here's man. the thing about Kyle. So Kyle went to high school with my cousin. They were on the same high school oh, basketball really? team. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, the thing about him was I liked it because he was confident as, like, a young age. Like, like confident. How, how confident? I mean, he was confident. <laughs> yeah. like, like, put it this way. He was the type of guy that he wasn't, like, he was, he was ranked high, but he wasn't a McDonald's All-America or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But you knew that he knew he was really good, yeah. right? And there was a memory. It was funny. Um, and, and they all tried to deny it, right? Okay. But um, at that time, the University of North Carolina um, basketball team was playing, and they were in a tournament in South Carolina, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And Kyle and them were down there, and the University of North Carolina was down there playing UNC Wilmington. Well, Kyle and my cousin and their teammates – were outside the arena with a basketball saying to the University of North Carolina players, y'all want to play us? Y'all want to play us? So, like, that's how confident they were. But it's funny because when you look at Kyle now, compared to, like, Sean May and all those other guys, he had a more successful NBA career. And, like, his high school team, to be honest with you, all five of their starters went on and played Division I. Three of them went to Villanova. Another yep. one went to Prom- Providence, and the, and, uh, and the uh, the shooter, the shooting guard, went to Columbia. They were a That's really good, good team. Man. Yeah, they were a really good team. But that is the confidence they had. But in regards to Kyle, um, I know everybody says he's the greatest Raptor, um, but to me, I, I guess one of the the best the other good things is how he gives back to the community. Yeah, like no he represents, you know, the community. Like. It says Kyle Lowry from North Philly when they used to announce him yep, here. Yep. You know, it didn't say Villanova. And I think that, to me, when you have a guy like that who's been successful, has made all the money that he's made, and he's still, like, loyal to where he came from, yeah. that speaks volumes. No, that's super dope, man. And I think that um, you see it now, like, the connections that he's built with the players. was always a great vet to his guys, always giving back, both here in Toronto and also Philly. And, um yeah. Keith, this is great. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for being a good sport, too. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to root for the Raptors, but hopefully the Sixers, uh, I guess, you know, Sixers drama is also good for the job, too. You know, there's more things to write yeah, about. There's so. been a lot to write about the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's not boring. It's never boring in Philly. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a break. I'm your host, Willu. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sports Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined in the second segment here by Gina uh, Mizell. Is that, am I getting Mizell? Mizell? Yes, it's okay. I've heard it every which way, so no offense taken. You know, we had such a lovely chat like <laughs> in the five minutes uh, during the commercial break that uh, I forgot to ask for the name. That's uh, all right. No worries. Okay, uh, also from the Philly Inquirer. Um, yes. So, look, we're going to talk more Philly, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll also talk, I think, more from the Raptors perspective, too. It's just, I, I, I always am curious about like an outsider sort of perspective on how the team is doing sure especially since as we talked about 
<laughs> the Raptors of Philly are always playing each other. Yeah, I was joking that like we should. I need to like rent an apartment here or something because uh-huh. this is my fourth time in Toronto since April and sixth time since last preseason. So right. we have seen a lot of the Raptors. The Sixers have seen a lot of the Raptors and. Is is it a rivalry at this point? I don't know that people have thrown that word around. Mm. I I think that's a little strong, but certainly these teams are very familiar with each other. And I think we saw a motivated Raptors team last night uh, in that first win of this two game set. Yeah, uh, definitely a difference in motivation between the two teams. (laughs) I'll have to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think rivalry is interesting because uh, the two fan bases are are quite nasty towards each other. It's bad. Yeah. I don't know. It's the, and I mean, even in the, in the arena last night and this was happening during the playoffs too, but the FMB chance, you know, all that stuff. And and so, and I mean, he's the one who ended up with a broken face last year. So that is tough. Yeah. (laughs) Do you get a sense of him and Pascal are okay about that? Cause like that is an unfortunate play. Like it really was a basketball play, but it also really did affect. It did, yeah, and it's funny because Pascal was asked about his relationship with Embiid um, yesterday after shoot-around, and a lot of people were kind of working on the story about the three Cameroonian players and and the history that was made last night, but, and Pascal, he didn't say like, oh, it it was an interesting answer where I think they're cool, but certainly, like you said, that, that definitely impacted. I'm not saying that the Sixers would have beaten the Miami Heat in the second round, but the fact that he couldn't play in those first two games and was had to wear a mask for the rest of the series and um, obviously was also playing with a, a torn thumb ligament, which occurred by complete accident earlier in that in that Raptors playoff series. But oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that yeah, too. no, yeah, like I, he hit that game winner in game three with a broken thumb. Yeah. Or, excuse me, yeah. a torn thumb ligament. So go figure with, with that. But no, it did definitely it, it impact their their mm-hmm. playoff run for sure. And and like you said, it was a basketball play, but very unfortunate. And you could also argue that. He should not have still been in the game when the Sixers, I think, were up 29 points. So right, they, right. there's all there's yeah. all kinds of layers still to that that we can continue to to dissect. Oh, trust me, the, the two <laughs> fan bases are still hashing it out. There's yeah. there's a every single time these two teams play, it's uh it's just violence on the timeline at all times. But listen, <laughs> you know, I guess that's sports, especially uh, For sure. especially Philly sports, and even just especially Toronto sports too. I, I don't think the Raptor fans necessarily have that same reputation. It's like really right. does it's not notorious but i think anybody who has come across raptor fans can tell you we're, we're quite vicious as a group well and you're a um, whole country too you're not one city that, that it's, and that like that struck me the first time i ever came here was um i just came for a vacation and it was like maybe 2014 2015 it there was it was a second round playoff series against the heat mm-hmm. so you can probably tell me which year that was and i remember coming out to jurassic park and watching a game like just just for fun and and you talk to people and they're like, oh, I came here from Vancouver, from, you know, all over the country. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. like Philly fans are very passionate, but it's only one in the grand scheme of the United States. It's only one little segment where you've, you've got a whole country of, of Twitter timeline heroes and oh, trolls yeah. and all those people. So, yeah. No, it's, it's wild. You'll have people trolling from like the Yukon. And right. Stuff like that. And it's just like, what? Okay. Places that I probably couldn't even identify on a map because yeah. I'm a silly American. So. Oh, no. Come on. I mean, listen, it, it is really cool because, you know, uh, thinking back to when the Raptors won the championship, um, they had like 200 plus Jurassic Parks like set up across the country. Right. So people didn't necessarily have to fly just to the one in Toronto. And it's just like the uh, the popularity of the sport in, in, in this country has just like exploded in the last 10 plus years, I would say. Um, but listen, uh, Raptors, Sixers, there's a history there. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. Um, compared to last season, the two teams haven't changed that much to me. I feel like the core pieces sure. are still kind of the same. Um, did you see anything new out of the Raptors last night in their approach? And 
vice versa? So did you see any difference in the way Philly usually approaches this matchup? Yeah, well, I mean, I just think that the Raptors really took advantage of what the Sixers' weaknesses have been so far this season, especially defensively, where they got out and ran, and mm. they were able to hit three-pointers, and those are the two things that have given the Sixers a lot of trouble. And I think maybe not so much... The, the transition defense, you could say, with like Harden and Maxi, that that could be an issue. But the, the three-point defense, I feel like, and just the perimeter defense in general with the amount of guys that have, the amount of blow-bys they've allowed, the dribble penetration, like that's been a disappointment, I think, just based on the fact that, like you said, yes, the core is the same as far as Joel Embiid is back, James Harden is back, Tyrese Maxey is back, Tobias Harris is back, but they've added DeAnthony Melton and Daniel House and P.J. Tucker, and those were guys who were supposed to shore up the defense and to give them, you know, more just a, a better defensive play. And it, it hasn't translated so far. And I don't know if that's schematically. I don't know if that's communication. I think it's a combination of a lot of different things as far as just the early season figuring out process for the Sixers. But um, when Joel Embiid comes out on media day and says, oh, we want to be the best defense in the NBA, uh, they are nowhere near that yeah. right now. They are bad right now on that end of the floor. So that's been a, a surprise in a, in a negative sense, I feel like, for the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, we, we talked about this with Keith in the first half, but, you know, one, Philly really had that defensive identity with players like, you know, Jimmy Butler and Matisse mm-hmm. Thibault and, and Ben, ben Simmons. Simmons. yeah. With jo- a younger Joel Embiid, who I think was probably more balanced towards playing defense mm-hmm. versus playing offense. I think right. last season it was like a lot like he's in the scoring race. We should like, yep. you know, really. And he to- had to be like he had to anchor that team right, last yeah. year. Yeah. Right. So but it's like when you have to shift so much of your energy towards the scoring, obviously your defense is going to drop a little bit. Like when Embiid says that, like, do you feel like the personnel was was built to even have a top five defense? Because right, right, I don't know. yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is what you said is that Joel was saying that okay, I I don't need to turn it on in the fourth quarter now. I can be more of a defensive force throughout the game because we have more offensive weapons with James Harden supposedly in better shape. Which granted, he, he has looks, he, he looks has great. looked very good yeah, through he, the first. He's the one five, thing people yeah, can't really complain he, he's about. The, he looked very good through the first five games with Tyrese Maxey's ascension. Um, with Tobias Harris, you know, still providing, like, complimentary scoring. But, yeah, it's it's been more that, you know, they expected to be able to throw P.J. Tucker on the best perimeter scorer. And, like, he guarded Giannis in, in game two and did a, a pretty good job, all things considered. But mm-hmm. And then you you wanted to say that you could add or throw a Daniel House, a DeAnthony Melton, even a Matisse Theibel, who isn't in the rotation right now, but obviously is a, a very good perimeter defender, and sort of be able to cover guys in the east and you you look up and down guard a kevin durant guard a a jalen brown a jason tatum and again that just hasn't happened yet so yeah you don't uh, you know you don't necessarily have like you know an all defensive first teamer but they expected to have a lot of good guys that they could put on those perimeter scores and, and stop them and like i said so far it's just not happened at all yeah um but it's still early, I guess. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, <laughs> don't tell that to Sixers fans. They're ready to fire everybody and trade everybody. Well, I mean, how's that different from any other season? It's, it's really? true. I'm like, y'all go enjoy the World Series. Yeah, right. The Eagles are six and zero. Like, yeah. come back when all that's over and see where this is. <laughs> I mean, that's actually probably the perfect cover, I think, for the Sixers. Right oh now. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But I, I think even thinking on the Raptors' perspective, so like, so the Raptors ultimately couldn't get past the Sixers, right? Mm-hmm. I think in that first round series. We can point to things on the Raptors' side of like, well, Scotty hurt his ankle, and sure. then Gary was sick for the first two games, and then Fred yeah. was never himself, and those are three important guys. But I think ultimately in that series, what I saw at least was just the Raptors um, 
defensively weren't solid enough to, to mm-hmm. guard the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And, and to be fair, the Sixers were really good offensively. Yeah. Like, I think with James Harden in that point guard type of role, obviously Embiid, the Raptors don't have a natural guy to guard him. Mm-hmm. I would say probably, what, 90% of the league doesn't have a natural guy yeah. to guard Embiid. <laughs> that's, that's a funny thing for Raptor fans, too. People are always like, we need an Embiid stopper. I'm like, there was one in Marc Gasol, and he went to Spain. After that, I don't think there is one. Right, right. You know, like, yeah. there's not a magical... Is Are there magical Embiid stoppers out there, Gina? I don't think so. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, so, okay. no, right. you, you got to try all kinds of different coverages. It's double team them, basically. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah, you're, th- you're throwing all, all different things, which... If you're going to trust anyone to do that, Nick Nurse is, is the type of coach that you would trust to come up with some schemes. But yeah, like you said, it's just it's it was an interesting matchup in the playoffs last year because on one hand, the Raptors, you know, athleticism and length and kind of all the like sized guys that they had, you could say that would present potentially a problem for the Sixers. But then the reverse of that is also true when you have a, a force like like Joel Embiid. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be curious to see if these teams. You know, obviously they'll play again tomorrow and then throughout the regular season. But it would be another interesting playoff matchup because oh, of, of all God. those factors. But no, do, do, are is, we, there, there are, might be a, an actual war that breaks right. out on Twitter. I'm like, are we right? actually wishing for that? I don't know. No, no it's too toxic. I think I think people are going to meet at the border, like somewhere along the Great Lakes, and right. uh, they just meet, have it, to meet fight in it Buffalo, out. meet at Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah, the new uh, NBA uh, Meet Me in Temecula will be Meet Me in Buffalo. <laughs> Raptor fans versus Sixer fans after right. another really, really disgusting series. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that my question, too, is just like, so ultimately the Sixers weren't able to get past Miami in the second round. Mm-hmm. Was there anything different that Miami did? There's not a, a different element that Miami brought that the Raptors could have probably tried to emulate to, in order to beat the Sixers? Or? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate to use the, like, cliche term of, like, toughness or, like, kind of that, like, rugged physicality, but that certainly was at play when you... So it's a higher level for Miami. Yeah, and, and like, again, someone like a P.J. Tucker was on the other side of that matchup mm. last year, and that was part of the reason why the Sixers, Joel Embiid literally sat at his, like, exit interview press conference after game six and was like, we don't have anybody like P.J. Tucker. And Daryl Morey's like, well, I have a solution to that. His <laughs> uncle signed like, P.J. Tucker. PJ, yeah. Right, Sign exactly. We Yeah, we, we have a little bit of a history. Yeah. Uh, Sign him out of Toronto, by the way. P.J. That, said, yeah, uh, exactly, yes. He, essentially, he, P.J. said, I want to win a championship. You're right. And uh, went to Houston. Well, he was a self-made player i guess at that point and that had no, some it made cachet sense. Made yeah sense. Trust for me. Sure. as a raptor fan i love pj I, yeah i really wanted to keep him yeah absolutely but no they they kind of just lacked that that grit and that toughness rebounding again james harden other than one game in that series just did not look like himself didn't have the burst and then again the the fact that joel didn't play in the first two games and yeah. then just didn't quite look right even coming back after that which again his eye socket was fractured and it was coming off a concussion and playing in a mask so you understand it too yeah, to yeah. some extent but yeah I, I think that I mean and that was sort of the MO of that Miami team right it's like it didn't matter who was playing for them they still wound up as the number one seed in the east and nearly were a Jimmy Butler shot away from going to the finals and so I think that was like an element that the Sixers needed to address in the offseason and again they thought that they did and as far as bringing in a PJ Tucker, a Daniel House, a DeAnthony Melton, even like a Montrez Harrell who is very fiery on the court and it so far just hasn't hasn't translated. Yeah. And and and, and you know, in Daryl Morey's defense, I, I would say like those vets you sort of expect them to peak in the playoffs. Sure. You know, like you're probably not expecting PJ to be going all out game five of the season. No. But you probably do expect a better effort on Friday, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Raptor fans like I think we shouldn't feel too comfortable in the idea that like Wow, it was kind of easy to just beat the Sixers mm-hmm. um, coming in on Wednesday. It's not going to be an easy game on Friday. I really don't expect it. Uh, unless the Sixers really have some other motivational issues. Sure. 
like they they should come out with a much better effort. Like simple things like getting back in transition. Yeah. Like, they gotta just do a better job. Exactly. Yeah. Getting back in transition, loose balls, staying in front of the, the staying in front of the ball, all that type of stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. And and you saw that, like they lost their first three games of the season, two against the Celtics and the Bucks. So you sort of not Those excuse, are forgivable. Not excuse exactly. You know, don't excuse it, but it's understandable. Then they completely lay laid an egg at home against the San Antonio Spurs, which that is what sort of sent the fan base into a tailspin. But they righted the ship a little bit. They beat Indiana, but then come up here, and this is a tough place to win. This is yeah. a, a tough team to play. And like you said, they had a lot of motivation coming into this game after last spring. And so now the motivation is going to get flipped where the Sixers now have some, not like desperation, but as desperate as you can be in game six, I feel like just yeah. to like show that, okay, can we actually put together a good game against a good opponent? Because mm-hmm. we haven't done it yet in our first three opportunities to do so. So that, that's what I'll be looking for. Yeah, yeah, and um, hopefully I'm, I'm, that won't happen. But from my perspective, <laughs> right. no. But seriously though, like their their top guys played really great. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the, still the ultimate core is that like Embiid obviously gives her out his problems. James yeah. Harden is just a tricky cover no matter what. And yep. then Maxi, I don't know what it is. Does Maxi play this well against any other team? <laughs> I mean, he had a great year last year, yeah, but of course. but that was I would say that was his best game of of the young regular season so far as as far as getting involved early. He's obviously such a weapon in transition and is a guy who can drive to the basket and his speed is such an asset and can also shoot well from three and and was really really good after the James Harden trade that kind of down the stretch of last season so no that's the best he's looked that is I mean Embiid put up a 40 point game against San Antonio but I would say that last night was the best that he's looked as far as just like efficiency getting what he needed he got to all his spots yeah I mean the versatility that he was able to show and and Doc Rivers pointed to um, the period where he had to come out in the third quarter because he's still kind of on a weird like substitution pattern right now because of uh, his plantar fasciitis and his conditioning coming back. And okay. Doc Rivers pointed to that and saying when we had to take Joel out, that is sort of when the Sixers were on their push and then the Raptors pushed the lead back out to double digits. So right, right. Um, I would imagine that will be similar. But I guess my my greater point was that that's the best that Joel has looked in as far as anchoring the team. And, and yeah, James Harden is, like you said, is a tough cover regardless and has looked very good so far mm-hmm. in the season. So, um, no, the, 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 other than the, the sloppiness um, of the offense and the turnovers and the way that the Raptors are able to capitalize on that, there were other good things happening for the Sixers offense. So we'll, we'll see how that's able to, to carry over on Friday. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm um, I'm terrified of Tyrese. <laughs> I'm just look. It, it literally, game one, he, he had 38 points yeah. in game one. I think that might have yeah. been. A, is that? I guess he played in the playoffs the previous year, but he wasn't like really. In no, the no, no, no. That so I, his, like, I believe. First yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, and I. I I don't think he's ever dropped 40, so I believe that's still. Oh, his, great! His well, they have another chance high, against the right? Raptors on Friday. But no, I mean, he he is a dangerous guy, and what's funny is he's very much. We're talking about how crazy or or super passionate or negative sometimes these fan bases can be, but I have never. I don't know if I've ever seen an NBA fan base love anybody as much as they love Tyrese Maxey. So mm, as right. as fearful as you are of Tyrese Maxey, that is exactly what endears him to some cold-hearted Sixers fans is the way he plays and the way he carries himself has really um, been been fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, we, we spoke about the, the the hostility between the two fan bases, but I think the one thing everyone actually can't agree with is, is just Tyrese is super fun. Yes. And I'm just like, like, what is it about this matchup against Toronto? Like, is the, are the Raptors playing him differently? Is it like they send more attention to James and Joel? That's and, a great question. Like, why? Because he he, I th- he might be averaging like 25 <laughs> or more against the Raptors. Like, yeah, I mean... We got to get a... Put, we got to put an end to this. Right. Right, right. Yeah. I, I I, mean, I think he's just able to attack for whatever reason against the, this defense and he's mm-hmm. able to get to the basket. He's able to get in transition. And then 
um, again, if you're if you if you try to double or or he get, maybe he gets free and then he's able to to hit those three point shots as well. But yeah, I mean that that game one that you're referencing. Um, I mean, I remember that arena just chanting Maxi, Maxi, and it yeah. was like again yeah. the potential MVP is is on your team if you're Sixers fans, and like I've never seen people go as bonkers as they have for Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. So there's just something very like joyful about his game. So yeah, super fun, as you said, is, is a is a good way to describe it as well. Yeah, no doubt. And listen, I think for a lot of Raptor, like probably the vast majority of Raptor fans have not been to Wells Fargo. Yeah. Especially during a playoff setting. When the fans are happy there, it feels like I, the the building is rocking. Like I I think one of the my favorite moments in my young career covering just, you know, in sports media was Game four, this is a bad memory for Philly fans, but okay. game four, 2019, the Raptors were down 2-1. Mm-hmm. Pascal had uh, suffered an injury. He wasn't playing 100%. And the Sixers were back and forth with the Raptors. And and if the Raptors lost that game, the series was over. Sure. And down the stretch there, Kawhi Leonard hit like three or four big pull-up threes, and they won it in a narrow game. And I think my fingernails are literally in the media board, in the, <laughs> the media room. Right. Like, or the, the aisle which I was sitting in. So. Yeah. No, that building is really scary is what I'm trying to say. It's not easy to it, sort of play in there. The, yeah. I mean, the arena here is the same way. You know, yeah, it, okay. it's, it's a lot of it, – there's, there's some juice in, in both those gyms, which I think also creates the um, hostility or just the, the combative nature of, yeah. of these teams – and, and I think it is just also they've played each other so many times in, yeah, that's in the last few couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you get the quick back-to-back here. You got the quick back-to-back at the end of last season as well. I think it was a home-and-home, home, that one. Um, so, yeah, there is really a lot of matchups. And I think, I, I think the last question I kind of want to get to um, is just looking more big picture. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you follow the bigger storylines around Philly, there's always this discussion about Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it. He's not really Jaws' guy. He's mm-hmm. not... James Harden's guy, and mm-hmm. he's not Daryl Morey's guy. Right. And uh, is this the last year of his deal? He's got one more, I believe. One more year? After, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the owners are rich. I think they could, they could pay <laughs> right. two coaches. Josh Harris was here <laughs> last night. I'm sure he'll be here tomorrow oh, as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's right. in town. Yeah, I mean, like, what I mean, what would it sort of take for for a move to be made, made on that front? Yeah, no, it's – and all your points are, are well taken. I, I don't know if it's, oh, that they lose – how many games they lose over the next two weeks, how many games they lose over the next month. I, I don't know what the magic number is, but it was interesting. I, I was walking into my apartment a few days ago. I think it was after they lost to the Spurs, potentially. And you know those emails that we all get from, like, the betting services? And they're like, here's these random lines about mm. random things. And it was like, Doc Rivers moves into basically the leading category for, like, first coach to be fired. Wow. He pa- he surpassed Steve Nash. That's which, hard to do. Which let's, <laughs> let's remember that Steve Nash, Kevin Durant said – you need to fire him or trade me like we can. So I thought that's, that's a, not a, not a great look for doc, but um, yeah, it's like, and, and I'm never one of those people to say this person should be fired. This person shouldn't, yeah, course, shouldn't be fired. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's tough because he was on tenuous ground. I feel like at the end of last season and at, again, at X interviews, him and Daryl Morey sat at the table or the dias um, at, at the press conference and, like people had to directly ask Daryl with Doc sitting right next to him, is Doc Rivers going to be back next year? Like it mm. had to be, it had to be that direct of a question. And he said yes, and obviously that ended up being the case. But you know, there there has been a lot of noise and a lot of speculation just around um, all the things you just mentioned. Mostly that 
Doc Rivers was hired before Daryl Morey was hired. And, and you see all the other moves that have been made as far as all these former Rockets coming back to the Sixers mm-hmm. and people are like, okay, is that going to prompt a move? I mean, there's guys on Doc's staff, you know, Dave Yeager is a former NBA head coach. Sam Cassell is regarded as a young up and comer, like going to be a head coach someday. Uh, so no, it's, it's interesting. And like I said, if they continue to struggle, because after this, um, the Sixers have play a back-to-back in Chicago. So another playoff caliber team, yep. they play two games against the wizards. Um, they play like the Suns are in this stretch. The Hawks are in this stretch. Like it's the cliche, but like, it doesn't get any easier for this team. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I, if they continue to lose and not look good and they can continue to say, oh, we're figuring it out, we're figuring it out. But if they, if this, if they continue to struggle, it's on the, the outside pressure or the outside heat is obviously only going to get stronger. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I, I, it's it's never boring with the Sixers. Never boring. I, I guess that's good from a news perspective, isn't it, at least? It is. I mean, there's always something happening, and obviously this season is far different than last year sure. when the Sixers were dealing with the whole Ben Simmons situation. And then, oddly enough, like actually playing pretty well out of the gate. They started off relatively strong before they yeah. got hit with COVID, and, and that sort of derailed some things before they got back on track um, you know, further along in the season. But... I said going coming into the year, I'm like, oh, it's really going to be like, how does this work from a basketball perspective? Are, mm-hmm. are all the main questions surrounding this team? And like I said, so far, at best, very much a work in progress. And at worst, not playing well at all right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, Philly fans are a very, uh, very patient group. As, exactly. As yeah. Oh, my, my inbox, my Twitter <laughs> mentions are all, all showing that right now. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, look, that does it for us today. I'm your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show. <laughs> On the Sportsnet Radio Network, make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to Gina. Thanks to Keith. Thanks to our board producer, Derek Brandale and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. Uh, Catch Raptors Sixers on Friday. And uh, I will talk to you tomorrow and also after that game. Thank you.